0: Well, turning your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 27, we're continuing, of course, our study of 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel deals with basically the lives of Saul and David and Jonathan. And in this section, we're really focusing on the first two kings of Israel. And here's what we've been seeing. The first king, of course, is Saul. He's the man of the flesh. He's been rejected by God already. Then we're seeing David, who's the second king. He's a man of faith, and he's protected by God. And what we've been seeing is Saul, of course, started off great, but then he's disobeyed God, so God rejected him from being king. He's already anointed. God has already anointed David to be the second king. Saul's still in that position. David was anointed when he was about 15. David will not become the king till he's 30. And and as the years have passed in our study, we're now close to the very end where David is getting close to 30. Saul is about to be through as king. He's been rejected by God already because he's a man of the flesh, disobeying God, doing those kind of things. David is called a man after God's own heart. And we're going to see what happens here very, very soon. As we study this poor of God's Word. David's on the run from Saul. Saul knows that David's going to be the next king, but he doesn't want that to happen. So he's trying to kill David. And what we've seen so far in David's life, and let's just stop and think about David for a minute. He's, he's so good. I mean, he's done everything right. Even, even as he was about to go kill uh, Nabal and all that, Abigail stopped him. And, and so he's done all the right things. And this morning, as we look at this passage, something changes. And uh, sometimes believers don't do what they're supposed to do, and and they turn away. And it looks like in this section that David in this section looks like he does something wrong. and some questionable things. What's going on? And we're going to look at it together, and we'll just just see. David leaves and goes to live with the Philistines. And you'd go, what? But that's the enemy. He's not going to go live with the enemy. Yes, he does. And there's even a chance that David's going to fight for the Philistines. What? What's going on? And so we, we learned something here that whenever we take our eyes off our Savior, we begin looking at the world and the circumstances, and that's what I think happens with David. We'll see it as we go through it. We already know that James chapter 1, verses 2 and 3 says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith works spacious. The trials and the things and the circumstances of life, we should turn to God in that. We're going to see, I think, and it's really sad to me in this part, but I think we're going to see that David... When when there's some issues going on, and I think he turns away from God, and we'll see what happens in this passage. Well, when we study the Bible, there's a great encouragement. That's in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, where he talks about keeping our focus on Christ. He says that we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let's lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily entangle us, running the race with endurance, and then he says these words. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, keeping our focus on Jesus Christ. And so as we run the race of the Christian life and the ups and the downs and the vents and the circumstances, there's joy, there's sorrow, but we must keep our focus on Jesus. We've seen from the Word of God that when people take their focus off Christ and put it on their circumstances, there's problems. We did a study in Grow Group. We did The Life of Elijah and Elisha. With the life of Elijah, he was amazing. He obeyed God. He did everything. He called down fire from heaven, killed 400 prophets of Baal, did all the right things, and looking at God. And then the very next day, he gets his eyes on this woman named Jezebel. She says he's going to kill him. And instead of trusting God, he just runs off. And we said, well, you're looking at the circumstances rather than God. We saw the same thing with Peter. That One of the songs talked about walking on the water aspect of oceans. And we say Peter was in the, was in the boat and Jesus was walking on the water. They were all afraid. Jesus said, don't be afraid, it's me. Peter said, if it's really you, command me to come out. And Jesus said, come out. So Peter's walking on the water. Everything's going great. He's looking at Jesus. And then it says, he began to look around, seeing in his circumstances, the waves and the wind. So he began to sink. And the truth is, anytime we put our focus on our circumstances, we're going to fail. We're going to move away. We've got to keep our focus on Jesus Christ as we run the race with endurance. And every one of us in this room, you've got issues, you've got problems, you've got things going on in your life, in my life, that we'd say, well, that, that's this, and this is this. But we've got to trust God. Well, as I look at this passage this morning, as we teach through it, I think we're going to see that David actually says, I think Saul's going to kill me, so I've got to do something else. We already know. We already know. David's going to be the king, so does he know. And we already know that that God's not going to let Saul kill him, but we're going to see what happens. And so this morning, David gets his eyes off the Lord, and he puts them on the circumstances. And so uh, I think you'll see that. Up to this point, we've been saying, you know, David's done so well. He's, he's always obeyed God. But here's a great truth, and that is this. Take heed lest you think you stand, you fall. You could say something like, well, I've done good here, I've done good here. Oh, I would never do that, be careful. Take heed lest you think you stand, you fall. And we see David, and we'd say, well, up to this point, David has just been a rock. He's been, he's been a, a man after God's own heart. He's done everything right, and now it looks like he's messing up. And so there's a great truth there. Just don't say, I would never do something. I would never do that. And we're going to see what happens. Let me give you the, just the quick outline of what we're going to look at this morning. We're going to see that David flees. And David goes to Gath to, and a city called Ziklag. And then we're going to see David's raid and what, what he does there. Then David prepares to fight. And notice, Philistines against Israel David will go fight. That's what verse 2 says. We'll, we'll talk about it as we go through it and see what's going on. As we think about this passage, I want you to think about several things. One, one, when we keep our focus on Christ, we're going to be growing. We'll have victory over sin. When we put our focus on our world and our circumstances, we're not going to trust God because we're not going to be looking at him. There are going to be failure, and there will be sin. And so the challenge to all of us in this room right now is that we've got issues in our lives, every one of us. Things are this and this, and we'd say, well, this is not good, or "This, why is this happening? And are we going to focus on these things, or are we going to keep our focus on Jesus Christ? Well, let's see what happens. At, look at First Samuel chapter 27. Look at the very beginning. Look at what, look what David says in verse 1. <clears throat> then David said to himself, Now I will perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than to escape into the land of the Philistines. Saul will then despair of searching for me anymore in all the ter- uh, territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hands. Now, I want you to understand what David just said. David says to himself, I will surely perish by the hand of Saul. He says, I'm going to be killed by Saul. Now, we could say, David, David, you know that's not true you know David is, God has protected you all the way through. We've already seen over and over that Saul can't catch David. We know that no, he can't even find David. The priest can find David. David's family can find David. The 600 men can find David. Abigail can find David. Jonathan can find David, but Saul can't find David. And we've seen this over and over again. And God has protected him. God has already told David he will be the king of Israel. But what does David say right here? I will surely perish one day by the hand of Saul. And we could say what what has happened to you? And I think what has happened is he's looking around, he's been on the run for years. This is not weeks or months. This is years. It's four to five years at least that Saul has tried to kill David. And I think David is to the point where he's tired and he's beginning to look around and see all of the issues. And Saul's come after him. Remember twice, Saul's come with 3,000 troops. One time he had David caught at that mountain. And if the Philistines hadn't showed up, David would have been caught. And I think David is saying, I just don't think I'm going to make it. And so I think I'm going to perish And, uh, so I think that the best thing to do, and and God has always protected him, and when we take off our, take our eyes off of God, there's gonna always be failure. I think he says, I better get out of here. I better get out of here. And notice what he says. There is nothing, and this is in verse one, there is nothing better for me than to escape in the land of the Philistines. Well, let's stop for a second and say, there are a lot of things better than for you to go to the land of the Philistines. He said, Saul will despair of searching for me anymore in the territory of Israel, and I will escape from his hand. He's basically saying, I'll just go live with the Philistines. Saul won't try to catch me. Well, because see, Saul won't go against the Philistines because every time Saul gets with the Philistines, he's in trouble. And we're going to see in, in, really, the next chapter and the next chapter, we're going to see what happens because the Philistines have decided they're going to go get the Israelites. And they're going to get all five of the cities together and they're going to attack. And so he's saying, the best thing for me to do is to get away. Saul won't track me down here. Well, in our lives, we look around and say, well, you know, I I just don't think I'm going to do this anymore. I'm just not going to do this. There's too many problems, too many issues. When we stop, now listen, when we stop trusting God, he does not stop taking care of us. Listen, there are times when when we realize that when we stop trusting him, he never stops taking care of us. And David is going to turn away and go live with the Philistines. And he's not going to live with the Philistines for a week or a month or two months. He's going to live with them for 16 months. He's going to be gone more than a year away from the Israelites. And if you're an Israelite, if you're Jewish, what are you thinking? Where's David? David. David's living with the Philistines. David? Is David who killed his ten thousands of Philistines? What is he doing living with the Philistines? Well, we could ask David that question. David, what are you doing with the Philistines? Well, I mean, Saul's, you know, he's going to probably kill me, so the best thing to do is go down there. You think that's the best thing to do? Sometimes in our lives, we, we do things that we know are not the best thing and are not the right thing, and we say, what is going on with you? There are, there are people in our lives that we'd say, when, what happened to them? They were, they were growing. They were on fire. They were, and all of a sudden, now we can't find them. And, and they say, well, we just don't do that anymore. I just don't go there anymore. you know, Who knows? Who knows? And so look what happens, verse 2. So David arose and crossed over. He and 600 men with him to Achish, the son of Maok, king of Gath. Now we know who Achish is. We'll talk to about him in just a minute. And David lived with Achish at Gath. He and his men, each with his household, even David with his two wives, Ahinam the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the Carmelitess, Nabal's uh, widow. So they go down there. And they decide, listen, can you picture all these people coming in to the city, to the Philistines? Now, you remember who Achish is. Achish is the king of Gath. When David fled a long time ago, he ran away and he went down to Gath And all of a sudden, the Philistines said, hey, there's that guy that's killed a lot of us. And they looked at David, and David pretended to be crazy, and he let spit and everything come down under his beard, and he scratched on the wall. And Achish said, "What? What? who is this? And they said, this is David. He said, he's a crazy man. He said, I got enough crazy people. Get this guy out of here. And so they got rid of David. So David saved his wife, basket-backed and crazy. Well, now he's come back to the same guy. And you can almost see Achish going, are you back? You're not crazy this time, are you? No, I'm not crazy this time. And David's going to live with this guy. And it says, he and his 600 men and his two wives, and they all came there. Now, here's a great truth. When we move away from God, he never moves away from us. And I think David's moved away from God. And sometimes in our lives, we move away. I've got a friend that'll call me and he'll say, God is so far away. And I said, well, he didn't move, right? So who moved? Who moved? When we feel like God is far away, we're the ones moving, not him. He never moves away from us. He loves us with an everlasting, unconditional, unchanging love. So David, I think, has made some mistakes here. David's gone off and he's moved away. And let me tell you, think about this. He can be living with the Philistines for a long time. What are the Jewish people going to think? They, want him, they don't want him to be the king? They've always wanted David to be the king, and now David's with the Philistines. And they could say, should David be king now? I mean, he's been down with the Philistines. That's our enemy. Should David be the king? I mean, this doesn't look very good. Let's just face it. So look what happens in verse 4. Now it was told Saul that David had fled to Gath, so he no longer searched for him. Well, David was right about that. Saul is not going to come to the Philistines to try to get David. And then notice what happens. So David has come to this city. The Philistines have five cities. Well, I'm going to show, it, show you a map in just a minute. Philistines have these cities, and he's living in Gath. David is, and Achish is the king of Gath. And so he's come there, and basically David then says to him, look at verse 5. Then David said to Achish, now if I found favor in your sight, let them give me a place in one of the cities in the country that I may live there. For why should your servant live in the royal city with you? Now, you, you've got to stop and think for just a minute. What is going on? David's not saying, I'm going to stay here briefly. David's saying, I'm going to live here. Give me my own city. And Achish is going to give him a city. And he, he says, give me one of these cities. But uh, uh, think about this. David, David will be the king of Israel. His, Samuel told him that. Jonathan told him that. Abigail told him that. Even Saul told him that. And now David wants his own city where the Philistines live and live there? It doesn't make sense. And you know, the truth is when we take our eyes off God and we put them on our circumstances, there's no telling what kind of things we're going to do. We, we, we do things that don't even make sense. And we'll say, what? Why are you doing that? And you go, well, I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing that. And so look what happens. So Achish, verse 6. Oh, oh by the way, I, just, I want you to, to notice how David describes himself at the end of verse 5. He says, why should your servant live in the royal city with you? David calls himself a servant of Achish. David is a servant of God, not Achish. So watch what happens. So, Akish gave him ziklag that day. Therefore, ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah to this. Day Now, I think uh the map, and this is just a quick map. And here's, of course, Bethlehem, and Jerusalem's a little there. There's En-Gedi, where David had been hiding out. We're not sure whether this is Ziklag or this is Ziklag. I think most of the maps have this place is Ziklag. Here's Gath. So David has taken his men and gone there, and he says, give me my own city. And so Achish says, okay, I'm going to give you that city named Ziklag, and you can go down there and live there. And uh, remember, this is all the region of the Philistines, this is the Jews right here. This is kind of on the border. It's a close area. So David is now living in his own, in a in a city with the Philistines. Notice what it said. So Achish gave, this is verse 6 again, Achish gave him Ziklag that day. Therefore, Ziklag has belonged to the kings of Judah this day. In other words, later on, it became a Jewish city. And Then it says, the number of days that David lived in the country of the Philistines was a year and four months. I mean, this is not like two months. This is, a, this is 16 months. This is almost a year and a half. And so we think, what happened to David living with the enemy for a year and a half? And what do the Jewish people think about him? And let me ask you this, what do you think the Philistines think about David? Some Philistines probably say, he's on our side now. And some Philistines say, "We'll never trust that guy. He killed a bunch of us. So, what's going to happen? Well, look at verse 8. Now, David and his men went up and raided the Gershites and the Gerzites and the Amalekites, and for they were the inhabitants of the land from ancient times, even as you come to sure, even as far as the land of Egypt. Now, David goes up, and living here, he attacks these people. There's people that live in these areas. They're not Jewish. And he attacks them, and he kills them, and he takes all their stuff. But he tells Achish that he's attacking Jews. Notice the next verse. So David attacked the land, and he did not leave a man or a woman alive, and he took away the sheep and the cattle and the donkeys and the camels and the clothing, and he returned to Achish, and Achish said, where you been today? And David says, I've been against the Negev, the south of Judah. So he's, he, looks, he looks, we could say it looks good because David's fighting the enemies of Israel, but he's lying to Achish. He comes back to Achish and says, oh, I've been fighting Jews. And you can see Achish saying, if you're fighting Jews, you'll never go back to Israel. If you're fighting your own people, you'll never go back to Israel. And so he thinks David's going to be on his side from now on. What would you think? What would you think if you were David and you're lying about this? Because David goes up and kills all these people. And I want you to notice in verse 9, it says, David attacked the land and did not leave a man or a woman alive. Why did he do that? He didn't want them to say anything. He he wants Achish to think he's killing Jews and he's killing enemies of Jews. Look again at verse ten. Achish said, "Where have you been? Where have you made a raid today?" And David said, "Against the Negev of Judah, that's the Jewish people, and against the Negev of the Jaharbalites, and against the Negev of the Kenites. These are all people that were friends with the Jewish people, and so David is killing." these people david is killing the enemy but he's telling achish he's killing jews and friends of jews and and let me let me put this up david's life at this time is characterized by killing and lying now is that the david we know is that the david that is a man after god's own heart is that the man who would go kill goliath and say you come with me in a sword and a shield but i come in the name of the lord is this the man that would say, I'm not going to kill Saul because he's the Lord's anointed. I'm just going to trust God. Is this that same man? The answer is yes. Are you capable of messing up? Are we capable of messing up big time? We're capable of anything. And sometimes we look at things and we say, oh, I, a, a real Christian wouldn't do that. A real Christian would do anything. We're capable of any sin. We'll talk more about it in just a minute. So what is David doing? Look at verse 11. And David did not leave a man or a woman alive to bring to saying, Otherwise, they'll say this about us. So David did this, and there's been his practice all the time he'd lived in the country of the Philistines. He killed them all so nobody could come tell Achish that he's not killing Jews. Wow. David's in trouble. You ever had a friend in trouble? And you could see them going down the wrong way. You could see them making mistakes. You could see them doing things that you know are wrong. You could see them moving away from the truths of the Bible and the things like that. What do you do about it? Try to help them. What about your own life? What about my own life? Have we ever started moving down the wrong way? And we know we're going the wrong way, but we say, oh, well, you know, that's the way it is right now. What do you mean that's the way it is right now? You could say to David, David, what do you think you're doing? And he said, well, this is the way it is right now. What do you mean? Well, I just know one day I would get killed by Saul. You you know that. You know God's not going to kill you. God's not going to let Saul get you. You're going to be king of Israel. What do you think you're doing? Sometimes we mess up. Look what happened, verse 12. So Achish believed David, saying... He has surely made himself odious among his people, Israel. Therefore, he will become my servant forever. We need to look at that verse. David, Achish believed David. First of all, he believed that David was killing Jewish people. And he said, he surely made himself odious, which means he stinks. He surely made himself stink among his own people. His own people won't ever like him again because he's killed his own people. And then he says, Therefore, he will become my servant forever. Servant to Achish? I thought David served God, not Achish. Isn't David a man after God's own heart? Isn't David a man who lives for God? And who is he going to serve now? Achish says he'll be my servant. When you look at this, it is a really sad time in David's life. What's going on? When David took his eyes off the Lord and put them on circumstances, he began a downward spiral. And the same thing can happen to us. When we're living and going good and studying the Bible and living for Christ and living in the power of the Holy Spirit, but then things begin to happen. Issues come up in our lives, things that we don't like, things that that bother us, maybe temptations, pressures, and we get our focus off our Savior and we put it on our circumstances we begin that downward spiral. We begin to live like the world. And we live like the world, we're going to look like the world. And guess what happens when we do that? We lose our testimony because we look like an unbeliever. That's what happens. We begin to lose our testimony because instead of living for Jesus Christ, we're not living for him. And we look like an unbeliever. The truth is a believer can look just like an unbeliever. You can't look at a lifestyle and try to tell if a person's a Christian or not. You can't. And we begin to look like unbelievers. When Paul wrote the Corinthians... And he talked about it. he said, you come behind in no spiritual gift. You got it made. However, you look like mere men. He says, you look like unbelievers. There were believers. He called them brother all the way through the book. He says, you look like unbelievers. And the truth is, when we live like the world, when we turn away from God, when we begin to fall, we're going to lose our testimony. We're going to look like an unbeliever, and we lose our rewards. And let me just remind you of something. This is a little chart we use up a lot. This is a, a believer and the believer has a conscience, the Bible tells us that written on our hearts is the law, is the word of God. This is, we have a soul, which is the part of us that has the mind, the motion, and will is the part that relates to the world around us. We have a flesh, which is called the sin within us, the old man, the bent to do wrong. It is a part of us that pulls us all the time to sin. That's there. It's in us. Then when we trust Christ, we become a new creation. Any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We're born again. It's called the human spirit. It's the part that relates to God. And then we have the Holy Spirit actually living in us. So here we are as a believer, but understand that if we live in the flesh, we are capable of any sin. And that's the thing that sometimes we don't even think about. And so we got this battle. As the Bible says, the flesh against the spirit, spirit against the flesh, their country, one to another. So you may not do the things you want to do. So as a believer, when somebody says to you, oh, a real Christian would never do that, a real Christian would do anything. We're capable of any sin. Be not deceived. God does not mock. Whatever you sow, you reap. Just remember that we're all capable of anything. Let me just tell you something. If you said, well, you can look at a person. No, you can't. You could look at me, and I could be living a really good life and not be a believer. Or you could look at me, and I could be living a really bad life and being a believer. You can't look and look at lifestyle. In fact, the only way you can know whether a person's a believer or not is you say to them, if you were to die, you think you'd go to heaven? And they say, yes. And you say, why? And if they say, because I believed in Jesus Christ to give me eternal life, you can know they're a believer. But if you said to them, if you were to die, would you go to heaven? And they say, yeah. And you say, why? And they say, because I got baptized when I was 12 and I walked down an aisle and I've I've tried to live a good life. You know, they're probably not a believer. It can't be from lifestyle. Let me tell you. If you would have seen me at age 19, you would have said, that guy is a really great guy. He's a great Christian. Because I believed if you did more good than bad, you'd go to heaven. So I did a lot more good than bad. I wasn't a Christian. You probably thought I would. Then, if you can look a little bit later and you just see me, you would have said, That guy obviously is not a Christian. And I was, or am. But I wasn't living right. You can't go by lifestyle. You could look at David right now and you can say, Something is wrong there. Because he's not doing the way he's always done. But that doesn't mean he's not a believer. And the great truth is for us, Sometimes we can do things and we look just like unbelievers. Well, watch. Something's fixing to happen and David's going to have to make a decision. Something's going to happen and David's going to have to make a decision. The Philistines are going to gather together. There are five cities of the Philistines. Let me show you this. Uh, five cities, a king in each of the cities. Here, this is not a great map, but at least list the cities. There's a city called Ekron, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gaza, and Gath. There they are. That's the five kings of the Philistines. This is where they lived. This is southern part of Israel. This is northern part of Israel. And, and so this is uh, where, you know, Jerusalem is right up in this area. Right in there. So here's, here's the Philistines. They're decided to come together and attack Saul and attack the land, to attack the Jewish people. That's what they're planning to do. And so look at chapter 28, verse 1. It came about in those days that the Philistines gathered their army camps, the armed camp for war to fight against Israel. And Achish said to David, now guess what? They're fixing to go fight against the Jews. And Achish said to David, No, assuredly that you will go out with me in the camp, you and your men. Now, you just remember that uh, it's, Achish says to David, you're going to go fight with me? You're going to fight with me. What is David's answer? Remember, David had been had lied to Achish. He told him he'd been attacking Jewish people. So, What's David going to do now? Now he's caught in a rock and a hard place, isn't he? He's been telling Akish, oh, I killed Jewish people. Achish says, now we're going to go fight and you can kill more Jewish people. And David says, I haven't been killing Jewish people. They're my people. Well, what are you going to do now, David? See, sometimes we get ourselves into situations where we say, I'm in trouble. I'm messed up. Watch what happens. Verse 2, David says to Akish, very well, you shall know what your servant can do. So Achish said to David, "Very well, I'll make you my bond bodyguard for life." What does David say? "Very well, you will know what I can do." What does that mean? It means nothing. We don't know what it means. Does David saying, "Very well, you know what I can do. I can go fight and defeat those Jews," or is he saying, "You you know what I can do? Because when we get out there, I'm going to turn on you and kill you." What is David saying? There's so much confusion. We don't even know what David's saying. Is David saying he's going to go fight? Or is David saying, well, I'll pretend to go fight, but I know what I can do. I can can get them. He says he's going to make David his bodyguard. You know what that means? Achish is going to go fight, and David's going to be his armor bearer. David, the future king of Israel, who is a man after God's own heart, who kills Goliath, who kills bears, who kills lions. He's going to be a a bodyguard for some Philistine pagan ruler. That's what's happened. What do you think David's going to do? David says, you know what I can do. What does that mean? Well, the truth is this. Whenever we turn to the world, there's going to be confusion. There is. And let me raise this question. Can, can a believer live in, the world, live in the world like the world? Can we? The answer is yes. Of course we can. Of course we can. Remember this? If we live in the flesh, we sin. If we live in the spirit, we have victory. I want to show you a verse, and I just want to teach this to you very quickly. But if we live in the flesh, sin. If we live in the spirit, victory. Look at this verse right here. This is Romans 6, 11, 12, and 13. Here's what Paul writes. He says, consider yourselves dead to sin to the flesh and alive to God in Christ Jesus. He says, don't look at yourself as dead in sin. Look at yourself as alive in Christ. He says, therefore, don't let sin reign in your body. Don't live in the flesh. He says, that you would obey its lust. He says, stop. It literally says, stop presenting the members of your body to sin. He says, quit living in the flesh. And then look what he says. But present yourselves to God. Live in the power of the Holy Spirit as those who are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Simply put, Paul says, quit living in the flesh because that'll be sin. Start living in the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit, and you'll have victory. That's what we have to do. That's what we're supposed to do. So what happens? So what should we do when we realize we're living like the world? Well, we confess sin, we forsake sin, and we serve God. So let me give you a quick idea here. We confess sin. Whatever we've done wrong, confess it means to tell on ourselves. Then forsake it. It's one thing to say, uh, I confess it, and then I'm going to go right back and do it again. No, we wanted to, to get away from it and to serve God. So what is David going to do? Well, let me tell you. Next week, if you say, okay, well, let's read a little further and see what David does. Well, when you start to verse three, four, five, guess what? It leaves David... And goes to Saul. So it's going to be a while before we find out what David does. We've got another whole chapter dealing with King Saul. Let me give you some applications quickly. Let's keep our eyes on Jesus Christ and not our circumstances. This is the whole problem. David has taken his eyes off the Lord and put them on his circumstances. He said, if I hang around here, Saul is going to kill me. That's not true. He's looking the wrong way. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2, let's run the race. Let's keep our focus on Jesus Christ. It is easy to fail to look at the trials and the problems rather than the problem solver, which is our Savior, Jesus Christ. So we've got to keep our focus on Christ. The second thing is let's deal with sin in our lives. We have to. And I think David is going to make some decisions. And let me throw something out. In the next two chapters, we're going to see something. We're going to see Saul confronted with a problem, and we're going to see David confronted with a problem. When Saul is confronted with a problem, he goes to a witch. When David is confronted with a problem, he goes to God. That's the difference in these two people. So let's deal with sin in our lives. We're all capable of any sin. And you know, when we, when we sin, we can lose our testimony, we can lose rewards, we can look just like an unbeliever. We don't want to do that. So what do we do? We got to get back in the fellowship. How do we do that? We recognize that we've sinned, we confess our sin, we forsake our sin, and we look to Jesus to seek to live for him.